I'll be reading from Colossians 3, 18 through 46. When Zechariah's time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the word of God. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. One of my earliest memories was in July of 1969. I'm old, I know. I was three years old, and I can remember sitting with my brothers in front of a black and white TV, and as we sat there, we were watching Neil Armstrong land on the moon and say those famous words. I was mesmerized by the sights and the sounds of Neil taking his first steps, and as a young boy, I became all things space. I was fascinated with space, rockets, and my parents actually took me to NASA so that I could tour it uh, when I was a kid. So as you might imagine, several years ago, when the movie Hidden Figures came out, I went to see it. The movie is a true story about three brilliant African-American women at NASA who serve as the brains behind one of the greatest operations in history, the launch of John Glenn into orbit. And for years, these three Women's contributions were kept in the shadows because of the color of their skin. But in this film, the director, the producers, and the actors shine a light on their contributions so that the whole world might get to know them and see how their incredible ingenuity made it possible for John Glenn's mission to be such a huge success. Similarly, during Advent season, I want to shine a light on some hidden figures, some hidden characters who often get overlooked during this, this season, but who all played significant roles in Christ's birth. And in particular this morning, I want to introduce to you Zachariah and Elizabeth. We're actually going to be looking at the whole chapter of Luke 1, but I didn't want to have to to make Elizabeth read the whole chapter. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And there's three things that we glean from the life of Elizabeth and Zechariah that I want us to talk about this morning. First, in God's kingdom, the poor, the humble, and the insignificant are chosen to prepare the way for the Lord. Secondly, as followers of Christ, we are to wait expectantly for God. And be prepared for God's response to our needs. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Pray with me. Father, we need you, Holy Spirit. 
to come to open our ears, to open our eyes. Lord, I know that there's many here this morning that are full of joy, but there are many of us who are struggling this morning. And as we think about these next three, four weeks in this season, we struggle. Our loneliness overwhelms us. Our loss overwhelms us. And so we would ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would minister to us, that you would speak to us. And Lord, would you teach us from your word this morning? We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So the first thing I want us to consider as we look at the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth is that in God's kingdom, the poor, the humble, and the insignificant are chosen to prepare the way for the Lord. Now, we live in a culture that values status, power, money, talent, and giftedness. A friend of mine used to work for Winona Judd. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's a country singer. And she would tell me that when they would go into restaurants, there would be a long wait, but when she went with Winona, they immediately sat her at a table. And not only did they sit her and the whole party at the table, but the restaurant would comp her and not charge her or her party for her meal. And as she told me those stories, it seemed backwards to me that someone who could easily afford to pay for the meal got free food, while those who didn't have nearly the same means had to pay. But this is the way of our world. And this was also the way of the ancient Near East during the time of Christ's birth. But Luke reminds us in chapter 1 of his gospel that this isn't the way in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, the first shall be last. And the poor and lowly shall lead the rich and the gifted. How do we know this? We see this starting in verse 5. Luke begins with the customary introduction, setting the time frame for the events that are to follow. He writes, in the days of Herod, king of Judea. But unlike ancient Near Eastern literature, Luke doesn't go on to list the history of the kings and generals, the wealthy and the mighty. Instead, what does he do? Luke introduces us to a devout old couple who weren't wealthy, who weren't famous, who weren't particularly gifted or talented. Luke says there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. You see, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were simple, ordinary folks who loved God and who obeyed God they didn't have money they were born from priests they didn't have power and as we read in verse 7 they didn't even have social status for though they had prayed fervently for a child for years Luke tells us that Elizabeth was barren and as many of you know in the ancient Near East children brought status And having more meant that you had higher status. 
But since Zachariah and Elizabeth didn't have any, they were considered low status. There was a, a great deal of shame that was assigned to them. But the good news about our God and His kingdom is that though they were at the bottom of the social ladder, God inverts that ladder. Because as we read on in Luke 1, God opened Elizabeth's womb and gave this humble couple a son who would be called John. And John, filled with the Holy Spirit, would be the first prophet sent by God in over 400 years to prepare the way of the Lord. One commentator says it well, the story of God's mighty act does not involve Herod, but a devout old couple. The world's standards lead us to attribute power and worth to the royal functionary who was but a puppet for Rome. God chose instead the poor and humble as the venue for the great work of redemption. And as I think about God's economy and I think about God choosing the humble, the low, the poor to prepare the way of the Lord, I couldn't help but think about Monica, who you probably have never heard of. Monica was Augustine's mom. She was born in Algeria where she gave her life to Christ. She married a man who did not profess faith in Christ. Together they had three sons. And Monica prayed daily for her wayward son Augustine to profess faith in Christ. Augustine later wrote in his famous book, Confessions, that his mom would be on her knees daily weeping before God for him to repent. This went on for years and years and years, so much so that Monica's husband saw her tears and on his deathbed, he professed faith in Christ. A common woman faithfully praying. And eventually her prayers came true as God captured Augustine's heart and he went on to become one of the greatest leaders in the church. You see, God uses the lowly, the ordinary, to lead the way, to prepare the way of the Lord. God's values are opposite than the world's values. He chooses the poor to shame the rich. He chooses those who have no gifts to lead the way. He chooses folks like Zachariah and Elizabeth and Monica and me and you to prepare the way of the Lord. You know, in these troubled times with the refugee crisis, the caravans, the things going on in the world, uh, earthquakes, it's easy to look to politicians or to government figures or to celebrities to lead the way. But God says to us, I'm going to build my kingdom not through governments, not through politicians or the powerful, but as Jesus says in Matthew 5, I'm going to build my kingdom through the poor in spirit. Those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted, you will be the salt of the earth. You will be the light of the world. And so the first question for all of us to wrestle with this morning is are our values in line with God's upside down values? And then the second question that we need to wrestle with this morning is will we trust that he wants to use our ordinariness this Advent season to love and care for our neighbors and to shine a light in the darkness? I've thought about this a lot over the last weeks as I've looked at my own and been very keenly aware of my own brokenness, my own lack of gifts and talents, my own singleness, the fact that I don't have children, that I'm broken, and yet God chooses the broken in spirit, the brokenhearted, to build His kingdom. And that gives me great encouragement this morning. And I hope it gives you great encouragement that God loves you, He sees you, He created you, and though you might be simple like me, and though you might be ordinary, and though you might not have great wealth, and though you might not have fame and many gifts, God wants to use you and me and this church to build His kingdom. And so the first thing that we learn from these hidden characters is that in God's kingdom, the poor, the humble, and the insignificant are chosen to prepare the way for the Lord. The second thing we learn is as followers of Christ, we are to wait expectantly for God and be prepared for God's response to our needs. One of the many things that I love about Zachariah and Elizabeth is their faithfulness to God. Luke says they were both righteous before God and they were blameless. One commentator says these two words evoke a picture of one who has fully participated in the provisions of the covenant. Yet interestingly, we see in verses 8 through 23 that when Zechariah was given the occasion to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense, and he was approached by the angel Gabriel and told that God had heard and answered their prayers for a child, Zechariah's response was one of disbelief. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I love Gabriel's response, and I'm paraphrasing here. He literally kind of looks at at Zechariah and says, You know this is true because I'm Gabriel. And I said to you that it was true. And because you didn't believe me that it was true, then I'm going to close your mouth for the next nine months, and you're going to sit in silence until your son, John, is born. You see, the amazing thing in the story is that Zechariah was officiating in the sanctuary itself. He was in the most likely place that one would expect to see and hear from God. Yet what we see is that Zechariah's faithfulness had grown dull in his expectations to experience God. 
that Zacharias' faithfulness had grown dull in his preparedness to respond to God when he was going to provide for his needs. And likewise, it's easy for those of us who are faithful followers to do the same. We come to church each week. We spend time in the Word each day. We go to community group. But if we're honest, we hardly expect God to show up. And when He does, we struggle to believe and worship Him. And we certainly struggle to receive the gifts that He brings. I mean, I wonder this morning as you came in the midst of all the preparations, getting your family here, how many of you were expectant this morning that the God of the universe was going to meet you today and speak to you and fill your heart this morning? I know for me, it's, it's difficult on Sundays to come with that expectant heart. It's easy for me to allow cynicism to seep in to my heart and my mind. I'm guilty. It's easy for me to believe that God's going to meet you and provide for you, but when it comes to me, my heart, my faithful heart becomes dull. And I struggle to expect God to show up. But in this passage, through Zechariah's bad example, Luke is saying, wake up, church. Wait expectantly for God to meet you and to provide for you. He is not dead. Our God is alive and He is a good Father who longs to meet us and longs to provide for us. And so the question this morning for us is are we waiting expectantly for God to meet us here today? And when He does meet us, Are we prepared to respond in trust and gratitude? Will we cast aside our cynicism and choose to believe that God is in this place? He has called every one of you to sit in the seat that you're sitting in this morning. And He longs to fill you up. He longs to speak to you. He longs to meet your needs. And again, I know it's hard to be expectant. Many of us have been waiting on God for months. Some of us have been waiting on God for years. We've been waiting for Him to provide emotional or physical healing. We've been waiting for Him to provide a job. We've been waiting for Him to provide a spouse. We've been waiting for Him to provide a child. We've been waiting to provide healing for our marriage. Or to provide deeper intimacy with friends. To provide deliverance from some besetting sin. We've been waiting for God to pull us out of debt. And I could go on and on and on. The Israelites had waited 400 years from the time of Malachi until the time of Gabriel showing up in Luke 1. But God showed up. And we likewise can expect him to show up and to meet us wherever we are. And to provide for us. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. 
He is our Father, and there is nothing that you need that He does not see, that He doesn't promise that He will meet in His timing and in His way. Charles Wesley's hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, that we sang earlier, and I did not even know we were singing it today, so maybe God wants us to hear these words. This is what he wrote. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every losing heart. Born thy people to deliver, Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Bind thine own eternal spirit. Rule in all our hearts alone. By thine own all-sufficient merit. Raise us to thy glorious throne. So as we look at Zachariah and Elizabeth this morning, the first thing we see and learn is that in God's kingdom, the poor, the humble, and the insignificant are chosen to prepare the way for the Lord. The second thing we learn is that as followers of Christ, we are to wait expectantly for God and be prepared for God's response to meet our needs. And then third and lastly, we learn that the Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim the good news of the gospel. You know, as I was studying our passage this week, And I was thinking about Zechariah and Elizabeth. I unexpectedly discovered one other hidden character in this passage. It's easy to kind of overlook this person. And it's certainly an advent with all the focus on Mary and Joseph and and, um, and Jesus. It's easy to overlook this person. But in Luke's gospel in this chapter he mentions this person four times and who am i talking about the holy spirit in verse 15 gabriel tells zachariah that his unborn son john will be filled with the holy spirit in verse 35 gabriel tells mary that the holy spirit will come upon her the power of the most high will overshadow her therefore the child to be born will be called holy the son of god in verses 41 and 42 When Mary visits Elizabeth, Luke tells us that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. And Elizabeth was what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then in verse 67, after John's birth, Zechariah, his mouth was finally loosed and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. You see, as we look at chapter 1, not only are Zechariah and Elizabeth hidden characters, but the Holy Spirit is also a hidden character. The third person of the Trinity indwells John, Mary, Elizabeth, and Zechariah. And it is through the power of the Spirit that all four of them are able to step out into faith and proclaim the good news of the Gospel that Jesus Christ is the Savior and His kingdom is has come. And likewise, as we enter this Advent season, the truth is the Holy Spirit lives in all of us who profess 
faith in Christ. He might be a hidden character in our hearts, but it is His light that illuminates God's Word. It is His light that shines through us to our friends, families, and neighbors. And it is His power that enables us to step out in faith as we join God in His great restoration project. In John 14, Jesus promises the disciples that He's not going to leave them alone. He will send the Holy Spirit to live with them, to comfort them, to convict them of their sins, to empower them and us to proclaim the good news of the Gospel. We cannot live this life of Christ on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. Advent is a wonderful season, but it's also a difficult season. There's pressure to decorate the house, to cook great meals, to buy just the right gift, and to navigate all the difficult family relationships during this season. And it's certainly difficult to share the good news of Jesus Christ with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our friends, with our classmates. And left to ourselves, it's impossible. Luke is telling us in this chapter 1 of his Gospel that the Holy Spirit is alive. And the Holy Spirit is in us. He will hold our tears. He will be our strength. He will give us the words to say to our friends and our neighbors. And so I wonder this morning, as we enter this Advent season, will you ask the Holy Spirit to help you follow Christ? Will you ask Him to be your strength today, tomorrow, and next week, and the following weeks? When you're tired and weary and you're, you're preparing that meal, Will you ask the Holy Spirit to renew your joy? When the loneliness of the season overwhelms you, will you cry out to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to put His arms around you and to hold you? And will we as a community be God's arms and mouthpiece and allow the Holy Spirit in us to move toward one another We are the family of God. We together love one another and walk in the power of the Spirit. The movie Hidden Figures shines a light on three amazing African-American women who helped launch John Glenn into space. Their efforts turned around the the space race with the Soviet Union and it galvanized the United States. Zachariah and Elizabeth and the Holy Spirit are three hidden characters that God used to prepare the way of the Lord. Through their stories, we learn that in God's kingdom, He uses ordinary folks like you and me to prepare the way to build God's kingdom. Through their story, we learn that as followers of Christ, we can wait with eyes of hope, expecting God to show up and expecting Him to provide. And we learn that as followers of Christ, as we wait, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, empowering us. 
to do what Elizabeth did when Mary came to proclaim, to bless others, and to proclaim that Jesus Christ is alive. His kingdom is at hand. And one day He will come again. And until that day, we will wait expectantly and live faithfully for Him. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. May we rest in that truth today. Amen.